That's all right, brother. That's all right. Appreciate the good song this morning. I'm thankful to know uh, I can relate to what Brother Dawson was singing about. Thankful to know that my I'll be satisfied. Whatever that country's like, uh, pays me no mind because Jesus will be there. And it'll be good. Uh, it'll be perfect. I'll be satisfied. Anything on your heart this morning? Anything at all? Always want to encourage you to follow the Spirit of the Lord. And, uh, that's what I need to try to do. And As always, if there's if there be any preaching done today, it'll have to be done because I get myself out of the way. And I struggle with that. A lot of times, as Brother Mike was teaching this morning in Sunday school, uh, men get their wisdom in the way, and, and I don't have any wisdom, uh, really. Uh, no more than what God's given me, but uh, a lot of times we get to trying to put our own ideas and things and, and the nature of things, and we can make a mess out of it. And uh, I've done that before, and I want to try to get myself out of the way this morning that God uh, might just take full control of this service. And as always, I want to encourage you today, if you're here and lost, uh, if you've never been saved, I'm not talking about, uh, I'm not talking about experiencing baptism or anything of that nature. I'm talking about that uh, you've been convicted in your heart. You've realized that you're a sinner before God, that you're guilty. That's what conviction is, is being guilty. And you've been convicted in your heart, and you realize that you're lost, and you stand in need of being saved, and you've sought the Lord with your whole heart. Uh, that's what I believe salvation is. Uh, to put it plainly, is peace with God. Uh, but to put it this way, um, with the heart, man believes upon righteousness, and with a mouth, a confession is made unto salvation. And so it's a heart work. And that's the way we've tried to preach it. And that's the way that I believe it to be. And, uh, and I believe that uh, uh, certainly that's whenever you begin to look at what the Lord Jesus told Nicodemus about being born again. He told him uh, there uh, in the third chapter of John. Uh, he said, uh, uh, the wind bloweth where it listeth. And you hear it, the sound thereof. I'm going to mess that up, ain't I? There I am already. Uh, I, I didn't even think I was going to read that this morning. But anyway, I'm going to read it just because I told you I wasn't going to get myself in the way. Third chapter of John, he said, uh, Marvel not that I said unto thee, You must be born again. The wind bloweth it where it listeneth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but can it not... Can us not tell where it's cometh or whether it goeth? So is everyone that is born in the Spirit. Who oh, he said that everyone, any, anyone that's ever been saved, has been born of the Spirit of God. Whether it's through the Old Testament or uh, in the New Testament or anybody that's alive today has been born by the Spirit of God. And uh, so uh, that's uh, uh, past and and uh, and. It's, uh, it's always going to be that way. So we want you to understand what we're talking about when we're talking about being saved. And we want you to feel free to seek the Lord today. Uh, but I want to take a little bit different turn this morning. 
And I've had a thought here for the last week or so and tried to study on it. And, and I don't normally title our messages, and I'm not necessarily titling this one, but this is the thought the Lord gave me uh, on the backside of the desert. And that's what the Lord's given me today. And I want to take for our reading lesson over in the third chapter of Exodus. And with our thought being the backside of the desert. And uh, the third chapter of Exodus this morning. Third chapter of Exodus. It says here in the first verse. Third chapter of Exodus, first verse. It says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he held the flock to the backside of the desert and came in the mountain of God even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why this bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place wherein thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham and of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Now I want to stop there with the mistakes that we've made reading. And the first verse, and we'll try to break some of this down. I have a few thoughts this morning I'd like to try to bring out of this. But it says here that Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, as he was there in Midian. And uh, I want to say this morning as we begin to look at Moses, and you see Moses as a type of Christ, if you will. And, uh, but Moses, uh, is, his story to me has always been interesting in the sense that you look at how uh, his birth and, and uh, how that uh, the Scripture talks about when he was born. Uh, and you can read part of this, and just for time's sake, I won't, but uh, in the first parts of Exodus. But how that when he was born... Uh, those the, the new pharaohs that came along had forgotten about Joseph and the things that God had done through Joseph. And, and uh, they began to place a burden upon the children of Israel. And uh, they were uh, uh, very uh, uh, mean to them. They enslaved them. They mistreated them. Uh, they became their taskmasters, those in Egypt did. And, uh, and then there come a time when uh, they decided then that they would kill and slew uh, these little boys, uh, these Hebrew boys. And uh, we find here that uh, Moses' mother, she was of the tribe of Levi, so was his father. And they decided then that they would take this baby and, and they would make a basket, if you will, and uh, they might float it down the river. Now, I want to stop there just for just a moment as they would float this down the river. And I want us to think about this and kind of compare it even to the time that we're living in today. Uh, we're living in a day and time and have been for several years. And I don't mean to get in on anything that's controversial, but folks, I'll just be honest with you. If you're a child of God, 
the, the act of aborting or murdering a baby or not even be in our vocabulary as a child of God this morning. Uh, but yet we live in a country and even a day and time where people think that those things are okay. And my friend, I want you to understand here that those uh, 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 maidservants, those hand ser- uh, maidservants that Pharaoh sent, uh, says that uh, uh, even prior to this, uh, that when those mothers would have those children, uh, their job was to kill them Hebrew boys. And, uh, but the Bible says that they feared God, uh, my friend, that they wouldn't do that. And today I hope and I pray that as God's people uh, that we continue to have a fear of the Lord and my friend, uh, what He's able to do. And my friend, I pray that we continue uh, to have a reverence towards God and not be willing to go along with any little old thing uh, that comes around. Now, uh, my friend, as God's people, it comes a time when we've got to take a stand on some things. And I feel like so often uh, we've stood back and we've sat back and let things go on in the world uh, because we're afraid to have a voice. Uh, But my friend, today I want to tell you uh, that we need to be willing to stand upon the Word of God and what the Word of God says. Uh, My friend, it's all truth today. Uh, uh, Jesus said that His Spirit would guide us and lead us into all truth. And my friend, that's what His Word is. But I don't want to necessarily... But I want you to understand, even in Jesus' time, uh, uh, I believe it was Herod over there, uh, that He made a decree that uh, they might kill all the boy children even when He was born. Uh, So you see, this has been going on for some time. Uh, They sought to have His life even then. But uh, uh, they took... uh, Moses' mother took... and. Uh, made a basket, if you will. She covered it in pitch and put it in the river. Now, I want you to understand something this morning. The confidence that his mother had to have. She had to have confidence in the Lord. The Bible says that she kept this baby uh, for some time, and, and I believe it was about three months. And I don't know how you are, but uh, uh, our babies, uh, 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 they have cried and, and uh, they made all kinds of racket and everything else and that's just the way a nature of a child is. But I want you to know this mother, I'd just sit there and see her bouncing that baby for about three months and no doubt I believe she was tired. And the time come where she had to trust God and put that baby in that basket. And I want you to know that the Lord worked it all out. He got down there to the, uh, to the end where Pharaoh's sister was, and, and no doubt uh, uh, she seen this baby, realized it was a Hebrew child, and, and she took it, and here was his sister, and went and got his mother who ended up taking care of this baby Moses. Listen, God worked all of that out. He had it all set up. He knew just exactly what he was doing. Moses being born and raised up, in a society, he was, he was a prince. He had it all. When you read about it over in the seventh chapter of Acts, the Bible says that he was uh, very mighty in word and in deed. He was learned. He was knowledgeable. He could have had anything, everything money could afford him. Egypt in that time was a, it's a picture of the world. It was everything that he could have ever desired. It was there in his very grasp. He could have had it all. 
Everything he ever wanted was right there at his grasp. But he's seen the oppression. He's seen the way that uh, his people were. And if you'll remember, he goes over and uh, he slews that Egyptian and tries to hide him in the sand. But when you read about that over in the book of Acts, you'll find that he done those things that they might, uh, uh, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself over here, but he done that that they might see that through him that God might deliver them. That was his opinion of the matter, if you will. But I want you to understand something this morning that we cannot get out in front of God. We've got to wait on God's time. And see, I believe in my heart Moses uh, was trying to get out ahead of God. He was trying to get in front of Him. Moses had good intentions. Moses had real, uh, I believe he had an earnest burden. I believe he had a desire in his heart. But he was trying to get out in front of God. Y'all pray for me this morning. I believe he was trying to go about things his own way. And my friend, we can't go about things our own way. Anytime we try to go about something our own way, listen, whether it's seeking God for the salvation of our soul, whether it's trying to live a Christian life and walk the way that God would want us to, whatever it is, whatever decision, whatever it is in our life, we've got to come God's way. We've got to come His way. When you're lost and seeking God, I was very fortunate when the Lord saved me that I was saved the very night that I become lost. And listen, I don't believe you've got to go a long time being lost. I believe the moment that you can become lost, you can be saved right then. That's the way I believe it. Why is it that people go lost for years and years? And listen, I know that your testimony, some of you this morning, but it's because you didn't come to a place to where you fully surrendered unto God and trusted in Him with a whole heart. I don't have any other answer for you. But other, you know, when you finally get to a place to where you fully surrender and you trust in the Lord, what is it then that happens? He comes in and He saves your soul, doesn't He? So here it is that Moses is about 40 years old when we read about him over there in Egypt and he makes his way to Midian. And Moses is tending to his, father's flock, his father-in-law Jethro's flock. And I just began to think about this. Here he is on the backside of that desert. And maybe y'all are different than me. But I found myself thinking about that desert. Have you ever felt like you've been in a wilderness? I mean, that's what we're walking through, right? We're in a wilderness here in this country. We're seeking a better country. Isn't that what uh, the writer says there in Hebrews? We're seeking a city whose builder and maker is God. That's what we're seeking. We're heading through, we're walking through this wilderness and this land. And oftentimes I find myself, if I'm not careful... I'll find myself in a desert place. And here it is, Moses is tending to his father. He didn't even have his own flock of sheep. He didn't even have his own herd to tend to. He was tending to his father-in-law's. He had everything that he could have desired. He had it all there in Egypt. And rather he was willing to give it up. He, he took out and he ran and he, he hid, didn't he? But I want to say this this morning. As he found himself there on the backside of this mountain, 
Do you suppose, and I'm just thinking here, as Moses was back there that day, do you suppose that God would, do you think he had it in his mind that God was fixing to speak to him like he spoke to him there? I don't think he had any clue about what God was fixing to show him. Moses was just kind of doing his job, and he was just kind of going about his way, and and I believe maybe, I don't know, Moses might have even been back there pondering about the things that had went on and conspired. Listen, 40 years had passed. Can you imagine the things that would go through your mind over the span of 40 years? Did I make a mistake? Did I do this wrong? What if I'd done this differently? Would this have come out a different way? God, what if I'd done this? What if I'd done that? But listen, as he found himself there on the backside of this desert, And I want to say here, at a very important mountain, he found himself. My friend, the mountain of God. Now listen this morning, when when we are, even if we're on the backside of the mountain of God, even if we're there, my friend, and we allow God to speak to us, my friend, he will speak to us if we want to hear him. Now listen, he found himself there, and it says that an angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush, And he looked. He got his attention. And my friend, this morning as I began to think about uh, uh, what it is, and and I don't know, uh, I I know Brother Moran's son, Jeff, he sings a song dear to me. And my friend, oftentimes I have to find myself, I told y'all here a couple Sundays ago about driving stakes in your life. And I have to take myself back and and listen, I'm no different than you. I, I get myself in a place to where I got a longing to feel the Spirit of God. I, I cannot spiritually lead you if I don't have the Spirit of God and the Spirit of the Lord helping me. And my friend, that's what we need is the Spirit of God in our services. Uh, we need it to, uh, to come alive. Uh, we need it just as here as it appeared unto Moses. Uh, we need the Lord to appear unto us. Uh, I'm not talking about uh, in a literal sense, but I listen, he could appear in a literal sense, couldn't he? He could come through that eastern sky just like that. But listen, it says there, as Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. And the bush was not burned. Moses, as he was here, he said, Behold, this bush burned with fire, but it was not consumed. My friend, how many times has God showed up in your life? I'm talking about those that have been saved. I'm talking about those that have been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. How many times has God showed up in your life and He's done something big in your life? I'm talking about from the time that He saved you so all the way to where He's brought you to now. And you think about the times that you've been in the desert I'm talking about the times that you feel like you've been away from God. I don't know, I don't have any evidence of anything that Moses uh, uh, happened between these 40 years. But my friend, God showed up in a big way right here to him. I want you to know this morning that if we desire to draw nigh unto God, He'll draw nigh unto us. If we have a desire in our heart, and my friend, this morning I began to think about the church and, and this week and, and what is the church to us? I mean, really, is this place holy ground to us? I'm not talking about what made it holy ground. Listen, He was standing upon dirt. 
The Lord hadn't even uh, sent it. He was just getting ready to prepare Moses to send him to Egypt. He hadn't wrote the law yet here. But what made it holy ground? He told him to remove his shoes for your own holy ground. Listen, that little altar over there at Rocky Mound, that may not mean very much to many people. But my friend, that spot right there at Rocky Mound on that altar, that's where the Lord saved me. That's holy ground to me. Listen, when the Spirit of God shows up in this house, and He manifests in such a way that sinners' hearts begin to melt, and the people of God begin to shout, and people begin to move, this place becomes holy ground to me. He told him, as he appeared unto him, listen to how he called him out. He said, Moses, Moses. He knew him by name. And my friend, this morning, uh, God knows each and every one of us. He knows everything that we're going through. He knows our name. He knows where we're at in our life. He knows our spiritual. I was talking to a lady one day, and she said, Brother Casey, I've only been spiritually separated from God one time. And I said, well, I said, I want to put it to you this way. I said, I was lost and separated from God. And yes, I was spiritually, I was separated from Him. But I said, you better believe there's been times in my life where I hadn't been spiritually close to the Lord like I need to be. And it's affected my life. It's affected every decision that I've made. It's clouded my judgment. It's done everything. It's gotten me in a place to where when I come to the Lord's house and I sit there and I'm like, boy, I, I wish I could feel something. I wish I could do something. And I can't feel anything. It's because I'm cold and I'm indifferent. You know what Moses did? Moses was here and the Lord began to speak to him. And he looked. When the Lord begins to tug at our heart, we need to start paying attention to what He's trying to say to us. He looked. It got His attention. And as He looked, He said, Moses, Moses. And He said, Here am I. Here am I. I was thinking about that song, Here am I. Lord, send me. Lord, I know I'm, I know I'm not a very good use. I know that I'm, I'm this. I know I have my faults, Lord. I know I have my failures. I know all of these things. But God, if you can take me and use me in some way. Listen, mamas and daddies, if you can be a use to your children by bringing them to the house of God, that they might hear about a Savior who can save them. My friend, in your job, you're doing something this morning. Grandparents and aunts and uncles, if you can bring your little ones to hear about the Lord, then you're doing something this morning. Listen to me. It's the greatest thing that we'll ever share with them. Is the story, the greatest story that's ever been told about a man that was all God that came into this world that gave His life, that we through Him might have life and have it more abundantly. My friend, it's the greatest story that's ever been told. It's the greatest story that'll ever be told. I'm thankful this morning to be redeemed by His blood. 
if you're ever, I may fail my children in a lot of ways. I may fail them in a lot of ways. But I want to know. I've got a desire in my heart that they hear about one that can save them. And oftentimes I find myself on the backside of this desert. Uh, uh, listen, but I'm thankful this morning, even when I'm on the backside of the desert, that God can still speak to me. And I still hear His voice. I still recognize His voice. And listen, He said unto him, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. And my friend today, I believe even as the children of God, I, and I'm telling you, I, just my opinion, I think sometimes we, we get to a place where we see this as just a building. And my friend, it is a building. We are the church. But my friend, this place here today, this place is holy ground to me when the Lord comes in such a way. And His presence is real. Y'all remember when I first come here, I told you, I'm just waiting for the Lord to show up and blow the roof off. And y'all kind of just laughed at me. You've been in services like that before, hadn't you? Where God's Spirit just come in and you just sit back and just watch God work. Suppose why it gets that away. Number one, the people of God come in with a reverence upon their heart. Realizing where they're standing. I'm on holy ground. Moses removed his shoes. The symbolism of there being sin, dirt, filth, he removed them. And my friend today is God's people, even as your pastor, each and every time that I try to stand, each and every time that I come in the presence of this church, Lord, help me. Lord, get the sin out of my life. Lord, help me draw closer to you, God. Because it's not about me and it's not about you, but it's all about the Lord and what He can do for our church. I feel like a lot of times we live in a society, a time that uh, people, uh, listen, they, there's churches nowadays, and I don't even know if that's what they are. They've got coffee shops set up outside. You, you can come and get you a cup of coffee before you come to church. you got people that want to bring coffee into the church. Listen to me. We're not at a baseball game here. We're not at a basketball game. We're at the Lord's house. We've come to serve the Lord. That's what I've come to do. I don't aim to hurt nobody's feelings this morning, but I'm just going to tell you how I feel. We just want to kind of just go through the motions. Listen, that ain't what God wants from us. He wants our whole heart. He wants us to come into the house of God and see ourselves for what we are. You remember what David prayed over there in Psalms in 51. What was it that David prayed? David seen himself for what he was, didn't he? Nathan preached to him. He heard his... Remember, Nathan said, David, you are the man. You know what David said? He said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. He said, cleanse me. Clean me up. 
what was it that David said the sacrifices of God are? He said, a broken heart and a contrite spirit. David was a saved man. But yet still today, what does God require from His people is a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Listen, just because I tell you this morning, any time that I ever get a hold of the Lord in prayer, I have to go to Him and approach Him just like I was when I was lost. I don't know if that makes sense to you. If you want to get a prayer through to God, if you want to draw nigh unto Him and Him draw nigh unto you, you've got to get down to a place where you surrender everything just like you did. Listen, He wants us humble. He wants us low. Does that even make sense? It's reverse of what the world tells you it is today. For you can go up, you've got to go down. He said, moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father and of Abraham and of God of Isaac and the God of Jacob and of Moses. And he hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. He hid his face. He realized who he was standing in the presence of. My friend today, I believe in all of my heart still that we need to realize who that we're standing in the presence of. That when we enter into his house, And we come into His house with a thanksgiving heart that we come in realizing that this is holy ground. Or at least it is to me. Psalm says, unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain. He's got to build this house. He's building Him a jewel. It's His bride. He's building it. He's shaping it. He's molding it into something that He can use. That's what He's doing. Or you say, here am I, Lord. Send me. I pray that'd be our prayer for each and every one of us. That we'd realize today where it is that we stand when we come in into His gates. We could take this we could take this right here and we could go out and worship the Lord in woods. And listen, our people used to do that. We used to have brush arbor meetings and all kinds of stuff years ago. Our people, listen, we wouldn't have to have this building. We could go and meet. We've, we've been blessed here. We really have. But we're not at some kind of ball game. I've not come to, that. I'm not an attraction to you. You know what I pray whenever I'm preaching that you see? My prayer is you don't even see me. I pray that you see right past me. And what I pray is that you see Jesus. My prayer is, God, you take me and you hide me in the shadow of the cross. You let them see you. You let them see you. Because Jesus said, when I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. He said, all men. Not just the lost, but the saved alike, all men. So that's my prayer. We're living in a day and time. And I had a man one time ask me. He said, uh, it's, it's, it's strange to me people's excuses that they'll use. But he said to me one time, he said, Brother Casey, he said, uh, he said, is it all right if I, 
He said, I'd like to come to your church. I said, yeah. He said, uh, is it all right if I, if I wear a ball cap? I said, well, I've never been asked that before. And I said, well, I said, would you wear a ball cap in a funeral home or something like that? He said, well, probably not. I said, well, why would you wear one in the Lord's house? He said, well, I just get embarrassed, you know, and this and that. I don't aim to hurt feelings. That ain't what this is about. But he let a ball cap stand in his what? Never did see that man come to church. I never did necessarily tell him not to wear one, though I don't think it's the most respectful thing in the world. But what I'll say is this. We live in a society at time that people let everything stand in their way because it offends them. That offends me. We live in a society of time now where everybody's offended by every little thing. You can't say this, you can't say that. Remember what Jesus preached? He was telling them over there about his body and his blood. They said, who can do these things? These are hard sayings. Listen this morning. Do you know what this book is full of? Hard sayings. All of it's hard sayings. Every bit of it is. He said, who can do them? And they went away. They followed him no more. You know what Jesus looked over at his disciples and said? He said, will you also go away? You know what they replied? To whom shall we go, Lord? For thou hast the words of eternal life. To whom shall we go? Listen. When we're talking about the Lord's church, that it's the ground and the pillar of truth. The apostle Paul told Timothy, he said, you ought to know how you ought to act in the house of God. He said, it's the ground and the pillar of truth. We ought to know, Lord, that when we enter the house of God, that we've come here to worship Him. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Him. It's all about pointing some lost soul that they might hear about him. My job this morning ain't aiming to offend. I hope this morning, uh, I don't know, I can't say that uh, it's necessarily went the direction that I thought it would. But anyway, uh, fourth chapter James says this. Submit yourselves therefore to God and resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. And he goes on, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and be purify your hearts, you double mind. Now, he makes mention of this, and I wanted to read this over in Hebrews. And uh, about, uh, I wanted to read this about, uh, about Moses, and I'm going to be done. He says this in the 11th chapter of Moses, and the 24, 24th verse. He said, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction of the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had the respect of recompense of the reward. By faith, he took Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. I'm going to stop there for just a moment. He chose rather 
the suffering, the affliction of the people of God than to choose the riches of Egypt or sin or the pleasure of sin for a season. This morning, I want to tell you, and you know it as well as I do, the world today, listen, it desires nothing but to chew you up and spit you out. It doesn't care anything about you. They'll say that they do, and the world wants to lie to you. But it doesn't care anything about you. But my friend, this, what God has built here, what God is trying to do here, this right here is what's worth holding on to. This right here. The world will chew you up and it will spit you out. Young people, I want to tell you today that you might go out and listen. Everything in the world today, you realize everything that I've got, everything that I own, will burn up one day after a while. It will. The watch, everything I've got on right now to burn up. The home I live in, the vehicles I drive, if they're still around, everything that I have will burn up one day after a while. But the one thing that I've got that will endure is what God's put in here. Everything else will perish. This body that I'm in will perish. Everything will perish. But what God has placed in here will never perish. It'll never grow old, what He's put right here. Everything in this world, it might seem fun for a season. It might seem like the grandest thing in the world. But I'll tell you, it'll grow old. But what God does here will never grow old. It'll never grow old. This morning, I pray as you find yourself, you might see yourself on the backside of the desert. Maybe I'm the only one this morning that's found myself on the backside of the desert. But as I was thinking about that this week, I thought about how God has spoke to me. And I've got some places set up that he's special to me. He spoke to my heart. That's how he speaks to me. I pray that he's still speaking to you. I pray that he's still drawing your heart. I pray that you're asking him for something to do in this life. Helping lead some lost sheep, some lost soul, that they might be saved. Listen, I don't know how long we've got. I was, I was thinking about little Blaine. I told him here a couple Sunday nights ago. What really been on my heart was I've been thinking about who am I going to leave behind. And that got on me. I was thinking about the Lord and the people he had saved and we'd seen saved since I was here. And then I got to thinking about those I'm going to leave behind. We talk about he could come back any moment, any time. And he can't. This morning, who are you going to leave behind? I know where it hits me. It hits me right here in my heart. Who are you going to leave behind? Do you have friends and loved ones? Do you have neighbors? We all do, don't we? Let us, drive, let us draw nigh to God that he might hear our prayer. This morning, Brother Strode, if you'll get us.
Lord time and again. But each time you always stay true. And that's why I kneel at the cross once again and ask to 